Roundup with your host, Victor Beltran. Welcome, everyone. It's the weekly wrap-up with me, Victor Beltran. Thanks for tuning in. Um, first, let me start by apologizing for not posting uh, a episode last week. I just had a really busy week. Um, it was my birthday on Wednesday. Uh, my good friend uh, Ivan Cheeseman's bachelor party on Thursday. I'm the best man at the wedding on Saturday. Um, I tried to squeeze it in there, but I just didn't want to rush it. I didn't want to force it. So I said, you know what? Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a week off. Um, you add to the fact uh, the heartbreak um, that I was going through after the Super Bowl. You know, I, I, I had a, I bought some Anchor Steam beers specifically for this. Uh, they're brewed in San Francisco. And my plan was to, instead of champagne, not a big champagne guy, was to open these beers and give them away and drink them in, in celebration. And that did not happen. Yeah, you know, it, it 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 hurt. It really hurt. It really it really hurt. Uh, hurt a lot. It was uh, hurt more than the Ravens Super Bowl when we lost to the Ravens, mainly because, you know, we we really uh, had had a big big opportunity to win this game. Um, all the momentum was on our side, and we just let it get out of hand. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and get into the Super Bowl kind of point out some of the big moments that really uh, changed the game. Um, the game starts off, uh, Kansas City gets the ball first, goes three and out. Uh, great defense standard to start off the game. 49ers get the ball, move the ball down the field, but have to settle for three. Um, you know, you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you really can't settle for field goals. Um, not against that type of offense. So um, that's kind of a win for the Chiefs defense, just, you know, holding them, uh, keeping them out the end zone. Uh, the Chiefs get the ball back, and uh, they go down the field and uh, score a touchdown, even converting on a fourth and one. Um, Andy Reid showing his aggressiveness, um, letting you know, letting everything hang out on this uh, Super Bowl, you know, and they, they went for it, got the first down, and scored a touchdown. So they really set the tone um, offensively on how aggressive they were going to be. Uh, the second quarter, a minute into the second quarter, uh, Jimmy G throws an interception, um, he should have really thrown the ball away. He avoids a sack, um, forces a throw to Samuels, but just a terrible throw, an easy interception that actually ends up leading to a Chiefs field goal. Nice stand uh, by the 49ers defense, limiting the damage to just three points. The 49ers uh, respond by scoring a touchdown um, on a beautiful uh, play design to uh, to Juszczyk. Um, I mentioned it in my previous podcast. They really needed to do some things with uh, Kittle and uh, Juszczyk, and they were able to do so on this play, and it led to a touchdown. Now, uh, the Chiefs get the ball back. 49ers forced them to punt, and now this was just baffling. I didn't understand the logic. Um, with the minute 47 left, it's fourth down, Kansas City. 49ers have all three timeouts. Why don't you call a timeout? Get the ball back. Have a, a significant, you know, two timeouts or a minute and over a minute and a half to get in field goal range, or maybe even score a touchdown. You have Kyle Shanahan with the great play calling. Don't understand. They don't call timeout. Chiefs punt the ball away. They run uh, like a running play. Time is ticking. Um, all of a sudden, uh, Jimmy hits Wilson for a big play, so they call a timeout. It's like why? 
you should have been trying to score a touchdown the whole time. You've just been wasting time. Hit a big play to Wilson, all of a sudden you're at the 45-yard line and you want to start doing something. Uh, don't understand it. And uh, then they, they go to a deep play to Kittle, which is completed, but then waved off due to offensive pass interference. I mean, come on. They were just doing a little hand fighting. Yeah, he did extend the arm. I get it. But on a play like that, when there's that much uh, contact between both players, I think you let it go. Seen definitely a lot worse that they let go. But unfortunately, um, they they get the call over. To, they get the PI on Kittle, so the play does not count. But I mean, if it shouldn't have relied on that play, if they would have just gone into two minute uh, to call timeout when Kansas City was on fourth, gone into two minute offense, they could have done something. Um, at least try. I don't understand. It's a Super Bowl. Why don't you try and go get points? It's 10-10. Go try to take the lead. Don't understand it. Um, either way, they go into halftime tied up. Four ers get the ball uh, to start the half. Um, they go all the way down to about like the 30-yard line of the Chiefs, 35-yard line. On third and, third and two, uh, Jimmy misses an open kittle for the first down. He had him, and, and he just didn't see him. He elected to go to a different receiver on the outside and just miss Kittle. And then so it's fourth and two, and they elect to kick a field goal. Was a little surprised by that. Um, I know that every point is crucial, but, I mean, you saw what Kansas City did in the first half on fourth and one. They went for it. Now, granted, it's fourth and two, but it's the Super Bowl. I mean, you uh, three points. Uh, I understand you got to get the three points, but I think against Kansas City, just I think in in terms of setting the tone, being aggressive, you got to go for it. Here was not uh, in agreement with Shanahan kicking the three, so San Francisco goes up thirteen ten. Um, the following drive, uh, Patrick Mahomes throws a pick, uh, pick to Fred Warner. So the 49ers get the ball back. Jimmy Garoppolo's looking good, completing passes. Um, they cap off that drive with the Mostert touchdown. Take a 20-10 to 10 lead. Looking pretty good for the 49ers at this point. Defense is playing well. Jimmy G is playing well. All the momentum is on their side. Things are looking pretty good. The Chiefs get the ball back. Uh, they start moving the ball down the field. And then a bad throw by Patty Mahomes. Uh, he throws a ball behind uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, bounces off of him, and it's picked off by Moore. So now, I mean, definitely all the, uh, the momentum is on the 49ers' side now. The 49ers are, are not able to capitalize on this drive, however. Uh, the Chiefs forced a punt. Great defensive win by the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs did play well, uh, limiting the Niners on uh, big plays. So they forced a punt here, get the ball back, and 49ers defense steps up again. So now this is one of the key moments in the game. Third and 15. In their own territory. They literally have a 3% chance of winning at this point according to the ESPN uh, stat thing. Whatever. The, I don't know how they do, the algorithm they use. Anyways. So it's third and 15. Maybe a good chance. Uh, maybe a good time to blitz. They have not. Uh, I mean I understand you have this incredible front four. But. Third and 15, maybe you send a little pressure. It doesn't allow the, the players to get to their positions on the field. But, you know, who am I? I'm not the defense coordinator. So they run a uh, a deep post to Tyreek Hill, and he I mean, it's a 44-yard gain on this play. 
Um, you know, one of the things about the 49ers zone defense, the way you beat the zone is you got to find the holes. And they they gave him time. He was able to get a little bit of time, and he just he just put a perfect ball to Tyreek Hill in, in, in the perfect uh, in the hole of the defense, and and that that allowed them to keep the drive alive. Uh, I mean, you, you got to think if they stop him there, um, there's only seven minutes and change left. It would pretty much be game over at that point. Um, on the same drive, uh, on a third and long, uh, third and ten. Uh, Mahomes went deep to Kelsey and Moore had perfect coverage but he didn't turn around for the call for the P.I. like at the one yard line I mean if Moore just turns around it's going to be a, uh, he's just going to knock the ball away he's in perfect coverage and he just doesn't do it that would have been a great stop for the Niners that would have probably held them to three so they end up scoring a touchdown there cutting into the lead now it's 2017 Niners get the football uh, they start driving, and again, Jimmy G misses an open kiddo on third down. Um, second time this has happened, second time on third down, now the drive is over, you're losing momentum, you're not making the plays you need to make. Um, that one has to go on on uh, Jimmy G for not finding Kittle again. So, I mean, this is a, a recurring thing here. So Chiefs get the ball back. Mahomes hits Watkins on a big play on that drive, gets him into the red zone, and they end up scoring a touchdown by Williams to take the lead 24-20. Uh, now at this point, I mean, I'm just devastated. You know, you're just kind of starting to see an unravel. Everything's going wrong. Um, we get the ball back, have plenty of time, definitely have, uh, you know, the weapons to do it. On third and long, uh, they they draw up a play, a deep one to Sanders, and he's got to step on his man. If if the ball was placed perfectly, it's a touchdown. And Jimmy G overthrows him by a good two, three yards. Just, I mean, he didn't even have any chance of catching the ball or diving or anything. It was that overthrown. And that was about the last time that, I mean, that was it. That was it because on fourth down, they, they don't convert, and that's it. They turn over on downs. Kansas City gets the ball. Williams has a nice breakaway on the outside and scores a touchdown that puts the game away. So uh, there you have it, Super Bowl recap. The 49ers definitely had the game uh, right there in the fourth quarter. A lot of things had to go wrong for them to lose this game, and those di- those things did. But when you look at the final numbers, uh, I mean, Kansas City just pretty much uh, beat them in all the statistical categories. Uh, they ran 21 more plays in the 49ers, 75 to 54, uh, 40, 40 something more yards than the 49ers t- uh, total offense. Uh, time of possession, 33 minutes to 26 minutes. I mean, uh, they just dominated. Uh, not dominated, but they they had the edge. Um, the only edge the 49ers really had was in rushing, and that was only about like 10 yards. And it came. It really comes down to the quarterback play. They had the opportunities to to either seal the game or um, keep drives alive, and they just didn't do it. And you look at the play call that was that that uh, Shanahan designed. There were people hoping, and Jimmy just didn't find them for whatever reason. He just didn't make the right decisions on big plays, and ultimately, it's it's what I believe cost him the game. You look at the. I mean, you could also look at some of the decision making by Kyle Shanahan. Um, right before the half to not he elected not to try to score um, that co- I think that could have cost him a couple of points and uh, also just not trusting Jimmy not trusting Jimmy on fourth and two 
you know, you have to do that in the Super Bowl. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate that they let the, that they let this game get away from them. It was tough. It really was. But you know, now we just have to focus on to the NBA and some MMA. We got a big boxing match coming up. So let's just not think about football at the moment. Actually, I do plan on doing a little bit on the XFL. Haven't really seen too many of the games. Um, like I said, with the wedding and whatnot this weekend, this week being very busy, we did have the debut of the XFL. So we'll we'll cover a little bit of the XFL in the next episode um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it still. Uh, the next topic I want to cover uh, is the NBA, uh, more specifically what happened at the trading deadline, uh, some of the big moves that occurred. Um, we'll start off with uh, the Clint Capella trade. Uh, Clint Capella uh, and it was like a three or four team trade that consisted of a significant amount of players. Um, but the big trade, uh, the big developments out of that was Capella to Atlanta and Covington to the Rockets. So the Rockets are all in on this small ball. They're just going to, they've decided that they're just going to continue to shoot more threes. Like I mentioned before, just a terrible, terrible idea. Um, we've had four games into this little small ball experiment. And the th- the thing that I see the most that hurts the Rockets is rebounding. Against the Lakers, they were already rebounded by four. Against Phoenix, they were already rebounded by 15. Against the Utah Jazz, they were out rebounded by 10. And against the Celtics, they were out-rebounded by six. Um, they went two and two on that stretch. It helps that you can make threes. That, that's, that does help. Three points are worth more than two. I agree. But when you're getting out-rebounded, you're giving the other team chances on scoring, uh, more opportunities to score. And that's that's not good. You, you don't want that. I mean, it, there's nothing more heartbreaking than playing an incredible uh, defensive possession. The team misses, and then they get an offensive rebound. It's like all that work that you did to uh, defensively to limit them on that play, and then they get the offensive rebound to get another opportunity which might end like in a three-pointer. I mean, those, those are those are daggers, especially late in the game um, where everything's in the balance. You can't have a lineup that can't get rebounds. I mean, that's not going to win games. You, you're very limited in that potential. Um, I understand that you can, you know, you have a small lineup. You're a lot quicker. You can move up and down the court, and which helps your team in terms of getting open for three-pointers, but you don't want to compromise yourself defensively. And you definitely don't want to compromise yourself on the rebounding. You need to have, uh, you need rebounds. Period. I mean, if you can't if you can't rebound the ball, you're going to just lose so many opportunities in scoring. So it doesn't matter what you do on the offense. You're just giving them more more chances, regardless of what you do. And uh, that, to me, is is the biggest difference. I mean, we've seen this before, right? We saw this with Don Nelson and the Golden State Warriors. Um, they, they were able to upset the, uh, Dallas Mavericks. They were the eight seed. They upset the number one Dallas Mavericks, but that's all because of uh, how they matched up. They matched up very well against Dallas. They played them well in the regular season. And with that lineup that they had, that small three point shooting lineup, they were able to beat them, but then they lost in the second, uh, the second or third round to the jazz. It's not, a, it's not about being able to beat just one team. Um, you have to be able to beat all teams. You have to have a lineup that can, you can make adjustments to that you can adapt and, and beat any other team. And when you're just uh, making your team one-dimensional with, with size and just three-point shooting, yeah, you could beat a team in the playoffs, but you're not going to make a deep run. 
you're not going to go all the way to the NBA championship and win a, and win a, and win a ring. So what's the point? You know, you have um, all this talent and and you decide that you're going to give away Capella for Covington? No, no, that was not what you needed, the direction they needed to go. They sealed their own fate with this move. They're, they will not, I don't think they make it past the second round of the playoffs. They might make it past the first round, but they're not going to make it past the second round. I don't see that happening. Um, another move that occurred was Andre Iguodala to the Miami Heat. Um, I think this is a great move for the Miami Heat. Um, a very young team, a team that can make a big impact in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And Iguodala is an excellent piece for that roster. He kind of fits that mentality. Um, he's a great defender. And that's really something that can be used on any team. Somebody that you can just uh, rely on to guard uh, one of the team's better offensive players. Uh, Iguodala is a great passer, great defender, great rebounder. Can still take it to the wreck and dunk on people. So I still think Iguodala's got some uh, tread on those tires. It's probably going to take him a couple games just to get uh, game ready, game shape ready. But I think when he gets on that court, he's going to be a valuable piece for Miami, especially in the playoffs. Um, another significant addition, in my opinion, was the uh, the Marcus Morris to the Clipper trade. Um, Clippers did give up a little bit to get him, but the Clippers are all in right now. You know, all, all the things they gave up to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to come over and now give up some more pieces to get Marcus Morris. I mean, I really do think this might give them the slight edge over the Lakers and who comes out of the West. Uh, Marcus Morris is a guy that, that first of all, um, he's shooting 43.9% from the three-point line. That's a career high, and that is an incredible percentage. There's nothing more than having a guy that can, that can stretch the floor. And Morris, Morris is a guy that can play defense. He's like another guy you can throw at LeBron. I mean, you already have... Uh, Paul George and, and Kawhi you're going to throw at him. And how about Marcus Morris now that he's over there? I mean, at the end of the day, these both these uh, L.A. teams, they're, I mean, they're, they're getting ready for the, the, ultimate, uh, the ultimate series, the Western Conference Finals, when, when this, these are probably the two best teams and they probably will be playing each other. So I think right now they're kind of just eyeing the rosters of each other and seeing what improvements they need to make. But I really like this move by the Clippers. Uh, Marcus Morris, great addition. I think it gives the Clippers the edge, but we'll see what's going to happen come playoff time. There can always be injuries, and you never know, so we'll see how that goes. The last topic I'd like to talk about today is the UFC. Um, it took place here in the uh, my hometown of Houston, Texas, in the Toyota Center. It was actually pretty pretty cool. Uh, one of my buddies works at Papa's Steakhouse uh, downtown, and he actually took care of uh, Dana White and Joe Rogan. Uh, said they were good guys. Um, that's a pretty fat tip. So shout out to Dana, shout out to Joe. Uh, anyways, so main event, you had Reyes versus John Bones Jones. So I'm watching the fight and I'm and I'm and I'm thinking, is this kid gonna do it? Is he gonna is he gonna shock the world and beat the goat? Because let's just face it, John Jones is the goat. He has one loss on of his record due to like an illegal elbow in a fight that he was dominating. So I don't even count that. And John Jones has never lost a fight. And he had, I mean, the first three rounds, he lost. There's there's no other way. I've seen the fight twice. I, I rewatched the fight because I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. Let me rewatch it. I was, I had been drinking, so let me make sure that I'm, I'm on point. And yeah, 
Yeah, he he won the fight. He, I mean, he won the first three rounds. There's five rounds. He won three out of five. He won the fight. He outstruck him in significant strikes and just regular strikes on all three of those rounds. So I really, I don't know what the referees were were seeing. Uh, I mean, not the referees, the judges were seeing. Um, even the final numbers in total strikes, he outstruck him 119 to 107. In significant strikes, 116 to 104. Now here's here's where where I got a little bit of an issue with. I got a little bit of an issue. So in the post fight interview, uh, John Jones was saying, "Oh, you know, it was a great fight. It was really close. But I think the reason why I won was because of the takedowns. Um, the takedowns were really what gave me the edge." All right. So if you take somebody down and they get right back up, that shouldn't really count for anything. I'm sorry. The whole point in taking somebody down is for two things. Either one, you want to just control the action. You feel more comfortable on the ground. So you take somebody down and you keep them there. It's, it's, it's showing your, your, your ability to control where the fight takes place. But number two, you want to take somebody down so you can apply damage, right? So you can do some ground and pound. And he didn't do either one of those. He took him down. He like tripped him, but he was up in less than like, three seconds so i mean what what you're spending all this energy just bringing him down but you're not applying any damage so in my opinion it shouldn't really count for anything and those takedowns didn't even occur till what like the fourth and fifth round so okay you get those rounds but you still lost the first three i mean there's just no debating that there really isn't anyone that knows mma knows that he lost the first three rounds and no, I get it. I get it. People say, well, you can't, you know, he's the champion. You can't, you can't uh, allow it to go to the judge's scorecard. I get it. I get it. Um, Reyes, Reyes faded. It was the first time that he's ever been uh, in a championship fight. So first time he's done that four and five round, which, you know, the championship rounds, that's, that's really the ones that usually define the fight. And Reyes was tired, kind of, uh, slowed down a little bit because he definitely had a you know an incredible pace those first three rounds really pushing the action so it's understandable that he got tired but you know it's just not the way the the system is set up you know there's five rounds for a reason and he, ray has won three of those rounds now if you want to think well it's like pride rules where it matters how you finish well that's different was it but it's not pride rules it's ufc rules and ufc rules are very similar to boxing rules and Ultimately, it's about it's a round system, and I mean, there's just no, I, I can't really see how anyone could have scored those first three rounds to Jones. I, I can't see it. Um, so it's very unfortunate. Uh, for you know, one of those things is, you know, we've always we've talked about this before, and that's and that's just the judging in MMA is so terrible because uh, the majority of these judges are are boxing judges, and boxing and MMA are just not the same thing. Um, they need to definitely start looking into just having MMA judges, like have MMA judges and have boxing judges, period. Um, don't just be like, oh, a boxing judge. I think you should do this MMA fight even though you don't know anything about it. No, you know, I mean, it's just, it's it's not fair. There's just too much on the line, too much on the line. Your career can, can, can blossom or be deflated by a decision that's wrong. No, I'm sorry. They definitely need to get. Uh, some new judges, you know, whether it's uh, fight MMA analysts or former MMA fighters, let's just get, or you know, let's just get better judges. 
you know, unfortunately, we're going to go to decisions. Uh, we're not going to sit and have these two guys uh, fight with, with no time limits, like old UFC rules. No, we're just going to have these two guys get in there. We'll set some time, you know, some times and point system. I like the point system. Don't have an issue with it. But we just need better judges. Uh, there's no reason why Reyes shouldn't have won that fight. Let's just keep it honest. Keep it 100. Um, that fight was won by Reyes. He should have been the new champion. And I hope they give him a rematch. You know, even though a rematch, he might lose the rematch. And there you go. He lost his moment to be champion. Even if we're, even if you defend the, you don't defend the belt, you beat the champion, the champ. I don't care what he says. Some people say, oh, you got to defend the belt. And then you're a real champion. I don't want to hear that. You worked your way up to get a title shot. You beat the champ. You're the champ. And that's all there is to it. Uh, well, folks, that wraps things up for this week's episode. Um, there shouldn't be any more gaps. We should have another episode next week. Uh, we're going to cover some more NBA action. And we'll also cover the XFL. And break down a couple things that are going on in the NFL offseason. All right. Y'all have a good one.